Hey. Wow. All right. Two people. All right. Hey, don't mind us. We'll be finished in just a minute. Yeah. C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. Welcome aboard the Star Speeder 3000. Come on, everybody. Here we go. W. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 662, and together we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook, community, events, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com. So in part one of our 2020-21 Disney Year in Review, this week we're going to look at some of the most important happenings in the Disney parks before turning our focus next week to the big and small screens, Marvel, Star Wars, and the Disney company as a whole. I'll then have our Disney trivia question of the week and more updates at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. with us when you wish upon a star come and remember the magic choose the good is a motto and mantra that i i guess i've lived with most of my life but I didn't actually realize it until I sort of art- accidentally articulated it one night during a Wednesday Night Live show. And it really is, it's how I approach everything. Um, I think it keeps me grounded and positive and as a result, uh, very happy. And, and while the last couple of years have been interesting, to say the least, um, it's also how I've approached everything that's happened in the world and in the world of Disney. And the past year, 2021, has given us a lot to choose from, uh, to look back on and reflect on, good, bad, and otherwise. And no matter how you view some of these occurrences, it's always fun to look back on our annual Disney year in review. So this week, we are going to look at our 10 or 12, like one per month, or what will probably be a much longer list, most important happenings in Disney in 2021. And of course, I want to welcome back to the show to help us uh, dissect and discuss is, of course, one Becky Mankin, CEO and chief magic maker at MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start calling myself chief enabler, dream enabler. I'm, I've been working on that for 2022. It <laughs> it's great sounds, to be back. When you say enabler, it almost sounds like <laughs> I know you have a problem, but I'm here to sort of help 
foster, maybe enabler well, is not the right word. Ha- have you actually looked at the travel industry in the past two years? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it's actually kind of fitting. I also want to welcome back, because I believe in ladies first, Lisa Denoto glasner from the Castle Run and Core Memory Candles. Whose business cards actually say enabler of joy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> You two can sue Thanks each for other for the use of the word enabler. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody who <laughs> finds your use of the word enabler here is Connor Brown from WDWOpinion.com. Thank you for having me. I need no one's help enabling me. I have enough problems of my own. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of problems, nice segue. 2021 was... Insert, you know, quotation marks here. It was a very interesting year. And it was one in which the world, I think Disney and otherwise, was in a state of renewal and recalibration, drama, woes, and and wonder. Um, Like Guardians of the Galaxy, some good, some bad, a little bit of both. Um, And some things in the Disney world both in the parks and on screen, were lost, uh, changed. And I think, again, going back to the choosing of the good, I think there was a lot that we actually gained in 2021. Um, I was actually very surprised to see just how much we did as I started mentally assembling and, and brain dumping my list. So that's why I wanted to talk about, and the only instruction I gave you was the 12 most important happenings in Disney, uh, not just restricted to Walt Disney World, but I think we could maybe start off uh, looking at the parks as a whole, and parks can include Cruise Line, Aulani, wherever you want to include in the definition of parks, and then we'll move on to anything that might have happened on the big and small screen, as well as anything that maybe doesn't fit into either of those classifications, and then maybe we'll have a little bit of a lightning round. I'll give you a sample of a lightning round question in the same order in which I introduced you to describe 2021 in one word. It's lightning, Becky. Becky, lightning usually means <laughs> rapid. Well, because you can definitely go in all directions with 2021. It was much more hopeful. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, hopeful was the thing that came to my mind and, you know, and then December happened. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll use hopeful. Lisa? Um, reemergence, I think, is the first word that comes to mind. And if you'd give me two words, I'd say tentative reemergence. We all sort of like crept out of our houses and peeked around and saw our shadows. <laughs> <laughs> We saw our shadows, we saw how much weight we gained, and we went right back inside <laughs> onto the couch where we belong. Exactly. <laughs> Connor Brown, you now have had seven minutes to think of your word. Yeah, you know, I, I was initially going to say uh, purgatory, but that might be a little too Catholic-y, <laughs> so I was going to say uh, limbo, because that's kind of what it was, you know? It, were, it wasn't a full sort of thing, there, but there were definitely good times, bad times, like Led Zeppelin would say. It was a roller coaster for sure. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Uh, very much so. And, and I think that's one of the things that I know as I was kind of going through the list, not even chronologically, but just sort of as things were hitting my mind, uh, there was that mix. And that's why I sort of introduced it this way in terms of 
there was some good things that happened. There were some things that were certainly <clears throat> interesting and 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 um, maybe a little controversial that happened. There were things that we lost and there were things that we gained. So again, because I believe in ladies first and in the order I introduced you, um, let's start off with the parks, Becky. And what was the first thing that came to your 10-ish list of most important happenings in Disney in the parks in 2021. Okay. And I have two. <laughs> I have many right more than that rules. over parks. I right know. <laughs> how many years have we done this and how many years have I actually followed the rules? Um, because there were two kind of hand in hand for me. And the first two things I, I wrote down were um, Disneyland reopening. Uh, because that was a very large step to take forward after it had been closed for so long. But hand in hand with that, the number one thing I would say, because this is what gave me hope, was the opening of Adventures Campus. That was probably the thing that helped me come out from the shadows and go, okay, we're coming back. Everything is starting to return to a little bit of normal. We have a brand new piece of the park uh, is something that I very much love. I, I love the whole Marvel um, uh, MCU universe. And I was so looking forward to the opening of Ventures Campus, which of course was put off for so long because of, of COVID. And to see that open up kind of allowed me to believe that we were going to be recovering from that, that point forward. Any thoughts from either of you? Was it was Avengers Campus Disneyland on your list? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, obviously, the reopening of Disneyland, um, you know, was was high up on the list. Um, and well, I didn't plan on talking about it myself because I know you guys have spent time there. Um, needless to say, Avengers Campus was on the list. Yeah. I'm so bad with dates. You could have told me that open five years ago. Or three. <laughs> so that, I'm glad that you invited me on a date-based podcast, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about that shawarma. How can you not be? Yes. You know? But I think... <laughs> so good. I think just overall, you know, it's it's nice for any one attraction to open in particular, but it's awesome when it's a land with an attraction with meet and greets, with food, with new merchandise, all sorts of stuff like that. So it was awesome to see. I could very easily have put Avengers Campus opening number two on my list because I have one that for me is clearly number one, which I will get into at the end. <laughs> uh, and I think when I looked at Disneyland, it wasn't just Avengers Campus, um, even things like not just the reopening of the park, but the reimagining of, of a classic attraction like Snow White's Enchanted mm -hmm. Wish. Uh, the, the, the represents that that park, even the most classic beloved attractions are continuing to evolve, to change, to grow, to get more, uh, uh, in, uh, more enhanced through the use of technology without technology overtaking the storytelling of the attraction. We've talked about Avengers Campus at length and, and my love of that place and that space, not even specifically the, the, the Web Slingers attraction itself, but just that immersive environment, which I really think, and yes, places like Batu, I'm looking at you, is the is not to use too many superlatives here, but it is the most 
interactive. It is the most detailed, story-based, understandable, relatable place where there is always something going on. The character interactions, that flying Spider-Man auto-animatronic, which you still see people go, there's no way that's a robot. (laughs) That has to be a real live person in that suit. And while the the Web Slingers attraction itself, when it opened, look, there were some people that were not as excited and weepy and giddy as I and many other people were. But when you, because they're like, well, this is just Toy Story Mania. and And I would respectfully disagree. I think not only is it sort of Toy Story turned up to 11, but from a a technology perspective, the use of things like gesture recognition in a group-based setting like that, as opposed to just standing with your Oculus or, or doing something with your Xbox Connect, is introducing the next step of interactivity into the parks. But I have yet to find anywhere in any of the Disney parks that I just felt I wanted to be present in. Mm-hmm. It was just, and, and Avengers Campus is not a big place, but Becky, you and I know when we went together and then when my family was there, it was that like you just don't want to leave because there's yeah. always something happening. There's always that what might happen next. And I think it, it is some of the most brilliant storytelling in a 3D environment. I like, not to sort of get all like, you know, Walty, but like, I think Walt would be like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted Fantasyland to be in terms of you living within these worlds. Yeah, and the cool thing about it for me was that you didn't just walk through. You didn't just walk in, go stand in line, do an attraction, leave, grab something to eat and, and walk out. You wanted to stay, like you said. You 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 pull up this the side, and you're just kind of waiting for what might happen next. What characters are going to do what? What battle is going to happen in front of you? What is going to just appear? And it it's so spontaneous. It's probably the most spontaneous land that Disney has, and you don't want to leave because you don't want to miss what's coming next. And it's a place I find myself wanting to return to most. Yeah. Me too. Uh, Lisa, what for you is first or last or however you want to sort of rank these on your list from a parks related perspective? So just kind of looking at our, our the size of our lists here and how many big park things there are to talk about. You'll forgive me. I hope for doing a sort of swath <laughs> of things for my for my number one or number first. Um, um, but I'll, I'll just say that the slow return of nighttime shows and entertainment. Um, as, 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 as my first thing, um, I, I, I couldn't believe this as I was going back as 2020 to 2021 is just a blur for me. And the biggest challenge of this was kind of figuring out what happened before January 1st and what happened after January 1st of last year. Um, but this summer is when we got fireworks back like at all. Um, and that was just such an a, a enormous thing. And we were like watching the testing from our windows and getting emotional and, um, you know, getting back that sort of climactic end of the night for ourselves and for the guests was just such an amazing thing. And then obviously um, with another little detail that I'm sure we'll mention along the way, um, we later switched from Happily Ever After to Enchantment and from um, Epcot Forever to the New Harmonia. So we have Kite Tales now at Animal Kingdom, which I adore, um, perhaps more than Enchantment or Harmonious. (laughs) 
um, and, um, and, and the return of entertainment, like being able to sit in the Lion King and see the celebration of the festival of the Lion King and Yeehaw Bob over at Port Orleans and like Indiana Jones just came back. I just love, like, there are so, so many of us, myself included, that like the parks aren't about attractions and things like that. They're about sort of the, the, the experiences like what we're talking about now and sort of seeing those trickle back into the parks over the course of this year has just sort of made life come back into it for me in a way that we didn't maybe have it when they first opened in 2020. I, I don't think you can overstate the importance of the live entertainment and the shows. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when I thought about this specifically, I thought on a very micro macro level uh, from the simplest to of of Casey Corner piano player to Cora Tinga Tinga in Disney's Animal Kingdom to scaling further up to character interactions, um, Festival of the Lion King, Indiana Jones, all of those are so critical to the park experience, both here as well as in Disneyland and the overseas parks as well. Uh, I agree about the importance of the nighttime spectaculars. Whatever was your favorite, what you liked, didn't like, however they may have met, not met, or exceeded expectations. Um, I, I think, and unless, forgive me if this is not something that you, well, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it separately, but I, I do agree that whatever time of day and wherever and however you care to enjoy, the return of this type of entertainment, both in the sky, projected on on a on a building, um, and more especially, I think, performed by live entertainers and cast members who are able to return to their roles, doing what they love and doing what we love so much, um, is is an, without question one of, if not one of the highest and most important things I think that happened in 2021. Yeah, I just love sort of sharing in their joy, like seeing the cast of Festival of Lion King perform. Like it, you just felt their their joy so much, and Yeehaw Bob being able to be back, and that the Taiko drummers being back, Matsuriza, like seeing them be back. Like it, there's just like it's it's just like family coming home again, and um, that feeling in 2020 when the parks first reopened, it was amazing, but it felt a little hollow in a way because it was just sort of you realize how much more Disney is than the attractions when you're there in an empty park and all there is to do is get on attractions. Well, that's what I was going to say too, is that the, that type of entertainment is a hallmark of Disney. It's the thing that sets it apart from other type of, of entertainment. So without that, it was kind of hollow. It was kind of empty, even though you still have the attractions and you have the cast, but without that entertainment, it just, with it, I guess it brought it up to another level, and and you really do feel a little bit more magical when you have the the nighttime spectaculars and the the entertainment around you and the ability to see a character. All of those things were are really important to the Disney experience. Just adds so much more life to yeah. all the parks, which I think for us who you know are are fans that go all the time, that's why we keep going back um, whenever we want. It's to be in it, to exist in it, and to be part of all that life that's going on around us. When the parks reopened, and we all were excited to go back and we just were emotional in our return, we did step back and go, well, there's one thing that's missing and it's people. Whether it was crowds or entertainment. Okay, 
mind you, crowds have been turned up to 12, which we can sort of scale that back <laughs> a little bit. But um, it it's, it's just shows the importance of, you know, not just the people making dreams a reality, but the life and the energy that, that uh, both the entertainment and the, the people in the park um, and the difference that they make. So, Connor Brown. So, um, for me, I think the one I'm going to go with is um, one I definitely want to talk about, um, and I want to make sure no one else steals it. So, that's how these episodes work, is what I'm realizing. (laughs) Um, It's very cutthroat. I'm very scared. But I'm going to talk about one day in particular. And that was October 1st of uh, 2021. And obviously that was the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the Magic Kingdom. And that's a day I will cherish for the rest of my life. Um, I think it was just, it was so awesome. I was so uh, grateful and, and blessed that I got to be in the Magic Kingdom on that day. Um, but at the same time, it, it it wasn't about, you know, getting to ride these attractions or see these shows or, or whatever. Uh, it was just about being there. And I don't know the next time that that's going to happen when it's a park that was filled and that was a crowd that I hadn't seen in a very long time since COVID, but a park was that filled with just hardcore Disney fans. You know, there were no waits for the attractions really that day. It was people went there because they wanted to be there on that special day and getting to Starbucks mug, one of the two where they wanted the Starbucks mug, which jokes on them because they're back, baby. (laughs) Um, and again, I apologize for getting to that fight on mainstream. I don't know how many times I have to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but for me, it was just so cool to meet new friends, to see old friends, to run into all these people who live all over the country and they just descended upon Disney for this one day in particular. Um, I think the last, not just in Disney World, but in everyone's lives, I think reflecting upon the last 50 years, the macro sort of reflection of what Walt Disney World is and how important it is. Um, it was so awesome to do on on October 1st and all those other announcements and all those other new things that opened and started on October 1st, that was all gravy. For me, being there on that day um, was truly, truly magical and something I will always, always hold on to. And, and that's just the one day of all of last year that sticks out to me um, in particular. So I think it's really interesting, Connor, excuse me, because I think you validate our previous point that it is in fact about the people. And I think the people here were not necessarily, and and sort of follow me around the room with this. When I say the people, I don't mean the people being the cast members and entertainment. It was the guests who were excited to be there, who just wanted to be in that place with each other to experience it together. I I think all of us were there that day. We could admit it might have not been the smoothest day in the parks. You know, there was (laughs) technology issues. There were long lines. There were some additional long lines surrounded by a few other long lines. But but we didn't care, excuse me, because we were happy to be there. To say I was there for Walt Disney World's 50th 
we really did sort of make our own magic that day. And when I say that, I, I do want to be clear because I have sort of mentioned this in the past. As a, a sentimental, unapologetic nostalgic, I think I was not alone in sort of a little bit of disappointment in what we didn't see that day. I think, and I and I also completely acknowledge and understand that because of COVID and because of supply chain issues and, and staffing issues, things that I know were planned for that day could not happen. And I am very, very much aware of that and appreciate that and, and our understanding of that. But I think there was a few simple things that could have been done that would have gone a long way, wouldn't have cost a lot. Um, I would have loved to have seen some, some type of rededication of the park. I would have loved to have seen the Bob Chapek presentation not happen after our hours to a small select group of people. I wish he would have been front and center in front of all the people who were there. There was less ceremony, I think, than I would have liked to have seen. I think that was the only thing that was missing. But I, I agree that that was easily overcome by just the thrill and excitement of being there with family and with friends. See, I didn't, I didn't, the more I think about it, the, the more I, I don't care that there wasn't that ceremony. I think, you know, going into it that day, we, we don't know what was going on. You know, I showed up at, at six in the morning. Cause I didn't know if I was going to get shut out the parking lot. You know um, we didn't know who was going to be there, what they were going to say, all sorts of things like that. And of course, I think we were expecting something, but when it didn't occur, I think as the months have gone on and I continue to reflect upon that, um, I don't think I would have strong memories about being at a rededication ceremony as much as I have about who I was there with. And when I look back on the memories that I spent in the 50 years, first 50 years of Walt Disney World, it was all with the people that that I loved and care about. And on the college program, my college program was great because of my coworkers, because of my roommates, because of the people I experienced it with. And and now it's the same sort of thing. It's it's the parks are great because of the people that we get to experience them with. And it would have been cool, I guess, for a ceremony, but I think I'm just so ecstatic that I got to experience it with with really, really cool people, regardless of what occurred on that day. Well, the yeah, night I, mean, I think there's there's two ends to um the 50th for me and what you guys have been talking about and, and what you just said kind of kind of helped me encapsulate it in my mind better than I think I've been able to to date in saying that, and this is stronger than what you were saying, Lou, but to some extent I felt a bit misunderstood by Disney on the 50th. Um and what was important to us and what would have been important to us. Um, you know, like you said, Lou, obviously some things couldn't be helped, certainly because of the state of the world and, and everything related to that. But, um, you know, it's, it's it, it, and, and I'll, when I said I prefer kite tales to harmonious and enchantment, please don't take me at face value completely. I'm a bit tongue in cheek, but I do adore kite tales. And you can take me at face value because I do have that opinion. Well, it doesn't take itself too seriously and I can just wholeheartedly enjoy it. While every time I watch Enchantment and Harmonious, I wonder how those got through without any mention of Walt. Um, so I, I felt a bit misunderstood by Disney, perhaps on the day of the 50th. I'm still an ambassador for the brand and I adore it, but um, felt a bit misunderstood that day. But far and away above that, and you just helped me sort of 
get this crisp in my mind for the first time. I think that was outweighed so much by how understood I felt by my community that day that it didn't matter. I loved looking at the wait time list at Magic Kingdom on the 50th and seeing that the longest wait in the park was the TTA and Carousel of Progress. And like, you know, the stuff that- And Cosmic Ray Star like (laughs) Well. Still waiting on that burger, by the way. Still waiting for that burger. (laughs) Yeah. Leave that conversation for another Are we all? (laughs) But no, but it's, it's true. Like the things that I kind of would have loved to have seen from Disney on the 50th, you know, whether they happened or not, just sort of all paled in comparison to the fact that like, our people were together and celebrating what mattered to us. So that's true because I felt that same way when we went there, we were there on a day of celebration and we were all together. And I don't think we rode one thing if we rode one or two things, but I mean, it wasn't about the attractions that day. However, I I was lucky enough to be there the night before for the, the ceremony that they did. I would have much preferred to see that ceremony surrounded by the community people that we were with that day. So I did miss that piece. I, I would have loved to have shared that with all of the people that we spent the entire day with on the first, but with everybody else, I was just so happy to be part of a celebration. Um, didn't have to, again, didn't have to write anything, just wanted to, be there and soak it all in and be with the people that I cared about and, and share it with them. So, and just to sort of close this, you know, tightly with a bow and just to sort of clarify my, my say, I think that the, the one person that was, we're talking about people, the one person that was missing for me was Walt. And I think I just, <laughs> I wished there would have been some sort of, acknowledgement, attribution, recognition, something about Walt um, and Roy. Like, you know, I think Roy mm-hmm. too, there should have been some sort of mention. And even if it just allowed people to think for a moment or go back and go, oh, I didn't know, realize that Roy did so much to make this all happen. I think that was the thing that I felt was missing and it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I understand that there are fixed costs, et cetera, but on a grand scale, it's not like we're trying to launch a brand new parade, like just some sort of acknowledgement of the two men, of those two individuals um, and all of the obviously the the teams of people that made it all happen. Yep. Um, I'm back and forth on what I want to mention uh, on my list. But you know what? I, I will I will sort of follow my my line of thinking in terms of sentiment and nostalgia. And I'm going to sort of lump these in together. And they weren't necessarily major. They were not groundbreaking. They're not going to necessarily impact every single guest. But I sort of really dug the classic 71 resort updates. The updates to the contemporary and the updates to the Polynesian. They were not groundbreaking. We did not get a new tower. We didn't get a new this. But I loved the introduction of the Mary Blair vibes and even the theming of the Incredibles room in the contemporary. The update and the characters in the Polynesian. Um, It's that sprinkling of Disney on top of that Polynesian theme, which made me feel very much out like Aulani as opposed to a 
Disney-themed resort that was just all sort of character-based. They were so subtly laid in that it brought us back to those 71 vibes without it being overly um, uh, whimsical, for lack of a better word. Obviously, what comes in that too are places like Steakhouse 71, which I have come to love for a variety of reasons. And I, I sort of dug the what was old is new again. Um, and I, you know what, I'm, I'll stay on the, I'm, I'm going to include this too. Even things like the, the Citrico's update over at um, uh, Disney's Grand Floridian, that, that subtle Mary Poppins themed or inspired reimagining of that restaurant while keeping the, the menu elegant and sophisticated and Floridian and fun. Um, those two, well, like I think so, those are some of the best sort of refurbishments that we would have gotten in 2021. Um, but I, I sort of love that. I love sort of the taking what was old and original, updating them while still being... Um, respectful of where they came from, if that makes sense. Contemporary is so interesting because it it's always suffered, I think, the same problem that Tomorrowland or even Future World suffers. How can it constantly be contemporary if it's remaining in the same sort of design sort of thing? It was contemporary when it, when it opened for sure in 71, um, but how was it able to continue that sort of thing. So I think with, you know, going back to its roots and focusing on that mid-century modern vibe, which is a design style that I absolutely love, I think it's just so well done. And that lobby is all those cool pictures from the building of Walt Disney World that they have in the lobby and, and in the hallway leading into Steakhouse 71. I just think it's very well done, very cool. And it's still, you know, it's a design style that makes sense today, but totally fits for what it's representing in the 70s. Yeah. Steakhouse 71, especially, I haven't had a chance to eat there, but when I did go and look at the the design, I stood in that hallway and looked at those pictures for an hour. It was really neat kind of reliving the, the history. It reminded me a lot of Steakhouse 55 over from Disneyland. It had that same type of feel and, and appeal from a history standpoint. So it's neat to see everything being um, refreshed and still retain a little bit of that historic um, charm that we all like about you know the, the contemporary area. I loved it. It's an interesting segue from our conversation about what was potent, perhaps wrong with or not right with us with October 1st, because I feel wonderfully understood every time something happens in the resorts, whether it's reimagining the wave into Steakhouse 71, which I thought was a beautiful, almost honoring of the original space, just sort of freshening it and updating it and giving the menu a little bit, you know, tweaking the menu up a level um, to, you know, I mean, this didn't happen this year, but when they redid Enchanted, you know, Enchanted Rose over at the Grand Floridian, mm -hmm. we were all very worried to hear that Meisner's was going to become a Beauty and the Beast themed lounge, but then it opened its doors and it was done so beautifully. And I think the same thing about the different hotel room spaces that are being sort of done over with a little bit of inspiration from some of the IP. Um, I just, I feel very much understood when things happen in the resorts like that, because I feel like they're, they're making things new without losing touch with where they started. 
All right, so Becky, back to you and what's next on your list. Me again? Oh, wow. Um, all right, let, let's talk about the 800-pound blue guy in the room. <clears throat> I think the the new um, change. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> you can send your comments to Connor at exactly. Um with, with the putting away of fast pass and the release of genie genie plus and lightning lanes. I, I think that that is going to have um, and has had great impact depending on what side of the line that you're falling on, um, on how the park operates and how we have to move within the park and how we have to plan. Uh, it, it seems like every time they've come out with something, it makes you change the way you approach a visit to, to Disney and, and that's world or land because the the planning of the entire thing completely changes where before you had 180 days that you had to figure out if you wanted pizza in 180 days and Japanese food in 181 days. So all of this kind of changes it up, makes you have to think about your, your visit differently, how you're going to uh, approach the planning phase. And then when you get there, how you're going to spend the money if you want to spend the money for Genie Plus. Or one of the things that I do appreciate is lightning lanes, the individual lightning lanes, the individual purchase, because a lot of people aren't like us. We're, we're lucky. We're able to visit the parks several times a year. And for those of you who are local, a lot more than that. But if you think about that family who saves for three years or a year or two to go and visit one time every three years and they have a kid that loves star Wars and has to ride, um, rise the resistance. If you're not going to be able to get in, or if there's going to be a wait or before when you had to try to get the virtual queue, which was almost impossible for every single family that had that little kid that had to see it. Now they have an option. Obviously the controversy is that it does cost money to have that option. However, if you were the mom or dad of that kid who has to be it and has to see there and you don't want to leave Disney world until you do, it gives them an option to do that. I'll just quickly say, because I, I spoke about this at length a number of times on Wednesday night live shows and, and WW radio nation calls as this was coming out Look, you want I, told, I say this, you know, tongue in cheek all the time. If you want to make Disney enthusiasts lose their marbles, change something uh, yeah. because we don't always we don't <laughs> always necessarily embrace yeah. change, especially when there is a, a cost associated with it. And I get that. Let me be clear. Like, you know, I have a family. All these things cost me the same. I have the same understandings. Becky, I agree that if this now gives you the option to do something that would have been possibly impossible before. That $15 or $7, whatever it might be, to be able to ride that attraction that you or your child or your friend or your spouse needs to do is, without a doubt, it's worth it, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding that worth it is is very subjective, and I understand everybody's financial situation is, is very different. Right. I think this is one of those things that it's announced there is this knee-jerk reaction, but as not only does the system and the cast members understanding and the guest understanding of it get more clear, refined, simplified and and improved upon as I think it always will. I like just like the app that's why there's app updates. 
I think it will be, and, and I think it already has already been embraced more by people once that quote unquote sticker shock goes away. I'm a firm believer and I, again, I have no horse in this race, but I have a firm believer just understanding the, the business of the business that when this and as this continues to roll out and be utilized in the way that the app and the algorithm and the AI is going to allow it to, it is going to make for an overall better experience for all guests, whether they use Genie Plus or Lightning Lanes or not, because it is going to, my hope is, my belief in the thinking is, this system will make for a better overall guest experience because lines will be loader, shorter, guests will be more spread throughout the mm-hmm. park. Uh, this is something that we have to just continue to monitor and see, but I know just from my end, the you know sort of finger on the pulse of people that have spoken to me about their experience has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, and I, what I've liked to have seen Max Pass just kind of picked up from Disneyland and moved over and dropped down on Walt Disney World. Sure. Um, I, obviously, there had to have been a reason why they weren't able to do that. And somewhere in the algorithms, this is going to make much more sense. I'm going to trust in the numbers. I'm going to trust in the the science behind it because uh, we see we, we saw how it works so well with Max Pass rolling out that I, I think that you're right. Somewhere within this, and as soon as everything kind of works itself out with the app and the other, obviously this test and adjust everywhere that they have to do to make this work, but it will have a positive impact on everybody, whether you purchase Genie Plus or you just rely on on Genie and not spend an extra dime, I think it's going to benefit everybody in the long run. And again, not to continue to go down this road too deeply. Yeah. If if we think back pre-COVID days, FastPass was a system that needed to be fixed. The FastPass system, as it was operating, was not the most efficient. And I think we're being generous when we say that. (laughs) Well, and, you know, we've we've talked a lot about Genie Plus and the paid aspect of this. And we all know I certainly wasn't easy on Disney when this was first announced. So, I'm, you know, I definitely have been revising my opinion along the way. But it's but it is, um, you know, it, it is functioning very well. And I think that's because of the other half of this equation that we haven't really talked about much, which is the free service, which is Genie. Genie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Genie is 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 free. It was launched on the same day as Genie Plus, obviously. Um, and it's this incredible system that's right there in your phone and will help you sort of navigate your day. If you're new to the parks or just kind of want some fun suggestions along the way about how to make the most use of your time. And that too, whether you choose to be on your phone using that service or not, will most certainly trickle down to have a beneficial effect on people who aren't using the service because crowds are being redistributed by the people who are using it, which is great. I think it's often, we just always have to remind ourselves to remove our self from the equation when it comes to where the diehard Disney fans, right? When the vast majority of day guests that are in the park are, this is the, this is the one trip we're taking, you know, we'll go twice with the kids and then, and then that's that. How does this system affect, I guess you could say the greater good, right? The, the, the vast majority of people that are going into the parks, I think it could be very beneficial for them. I work with a lot of people who 
are, you know, going that one time, they'll go twice or whatever. And to them, buying Genie Plus is a no-brainer. You know, they see the benefits, they see what it is, and they see the price, and they're like, we're absolutely going to do this. This is the trip we're taking. This is the big blowout trip or whatever. At the same time, I think it's just, you still have to do your research, right? Like anything Disney-related, now you just have to invest time into research, and you have to invest money into the purchasing of it. Even if you go the free route, with regular genie that still has some quirks and it's still being worked out for sure. Um, but you still have to do a little bit of research before you get there on your trip. And that's going to go a long way, but it's not like the magic pill where everyone's going to have a great time using it or whatever. Or, it is. or shameless plug, you find a Disney specialty travel agency that can help you. So you don't have to do all the research yourself. Yeah. I still think it's Ice like, Lou. nice. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> you're still, you know, you're speaking Chinese and they're speaking English a lot of the times, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> which as much advice that you can get from an expert, I think it's so crucial, especially nowadays, which is so interesting. Like there's these apps and things that are supposed to make things better, but now using a travel agent is so much more important than it ever was before, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Lisa, what about for you? Gosh, where do I want to go? So this isn't a huge conversation probably because we've sort of started it already with the, the idea of Jeannie, but um, I'm going to pigtail on that or on that a little bit or dovetail on that a little bit and just go to the, the sale of APs again, or at least for some period mm-hmm. of time. Um, it can be a short conversation. We don't have to talk about this for too, too long, I'm sure. But like so many of us have wonderful dear friends who have just recently relocated to the area because they were huge fans of Disney and of course sat here staring at, you know, staring at the the castle from through the gates <laughs> um, for so long, unable to to get in. Um, and and it was so wonderful to see those people be able to get their, their annual passes um, and, you know, other people who are new to the fandom who wanted to join this fun club that we're all in um, and get their APs. And um, of course, along with that, we got the reimagining of the system. Um, it's also worth mentioning that we got park hopping back this year, which was a really big deal. And it kind of goes in the same bucket to me. Um, and of course, that's all over in Disneyland as well. Um, Becky knows a lot about, more about this and, and Lou too than me, but um, I know that system has been reimagined as well. And it's just been nice to see how Disney has continued to figure out how to navigate the waters that we're all now in with the reservation system and, um, you know, other, other realities that we're dealing with right now that they've been able to reimagine the AP system in a way that works. And I'm hoping that they go back on sale soon. I imagine that they knew that parks were going to be at capacity during this short period of time. And maybe they didn't want to be selling more APs to people who would just be disappointed. Um, so I'm hoping they're back soon. <laughs> yeah. And let's just say the the annual pass, pro, annual pass program, especially here at World, has been an emotional roller coaster for many people. You know, like you said, we knew people who moved down here literally, you know, days before the parks close. They're not able to get the annual pass. It opens up again. They're not selling annual pass. Then they are selling annual pass, but it's not called an annual pass. It's an incredible <laughs> pass, a pirate pass, a pixie pass. We need like these huge algorithmic charts and graphs to try and figure it all out. But it is part of um, part of the fun. And, and like you said, hopefully that they they as we continue this ongoing, sometimes slow moving return to, to quote unquote normalcy. Um, 
you know, everything sort of goes back to the way it was and um, well, annual passes, whatever version of it you you choose um, starts being sold, sold again. And then you look at the same thing with the annual passes in Disneyland, which were, you know, problematic at, at some level because there had become so many annual pass holders that it was becoming difficult. And they changed that into the magic key program now. So there it's, it's difficult and you need a flow chart just to keep track of all the names and, and the benefits of all of these new programs. But I, I have to at least be happy that they're looking at ways to, to try to balance it because, you know, clearly there's a need for annual passes, but clearly there's also a business need to be able to not, you know, make it too weighty on one side or the other. So uh, while it's been difficult for so many who were standing outside the gates in Disney World, especially clawing and saying, let me in, open, open, open. Um, it was nice to see some progress rather than all of us sitting there going, when is it going to come back? When is it going to come back? You know, Connor, anything else for you in the parks? I think the only other thing for me has been um I just love that. Well, it's kind of a twofold. We got the Halloween party. We got the Christmas party back, albeit in a new form, kind of merged with the after hours events that Disney had, but more so the Christmas party because we got one thing back in particular, the parade. Yeah. The Christmas parade during the party was awesome. And then we got a surprise these last two weeks in the Magic Kingdom they rolled out the Christmas parade during the day as well. They did it twice every day, which is awesome. You know, just like old times, um, seeing that parade was, was so awesome. I got to see it during the party. I got to see it the first day on the first showing it was back in the park during the day. People love it. Um, I think it's a sign obviously of things to come because we know sometime next year, we're going to get festival of fantasy back again. But at the same time, I also love that Disney is saying we're still going to have the cavalcades, was, which was this kind of thing they created during the COVID times, which I think everyone kind of fell in love with. And I'm so happy to hear that they're sticking with that. But then old favorites are coming back as well. Yeah, I will just once again go on record saying I, I love the... There's a the new character experiences are less intimate and more intimate than they ever have been before, because you don't have the the hugging. But I loved how you had these sort of continuously moving yet intimate eye contact sort of one on one ish experience, whether it was through a cavalcade, whether it was through some of the individual sightings of characters even if they're slightly distanced from you, where you could sort of say hello, have a conversation, take a distanced photo. I think it's it's important to note the the how meaningful it is to have those characters back in the park. Again, going back to uh, our conversation earlier. I love the cavalcades. I, I hope in some way, shape or form, they stay around mm -hmm. even after all of this, hopefully we do get an after all of this, but I love the spontaneity of it. I, I love the fact that you're not waiting an hour waiting for the three o'clock parade. I love to be able to just hear the music wherever you are. And then all of a sudden it's surprise 
here's a character and you don't even know who it's going to be. And I, I just, I adore them and I hope they stay around. I think there's a level or a difference in the creativity of them as well that I think is very cool. Like some of the socially distanced meet and greet or like character um, that like the, you'll come across in Epcot now where they're kind of behind a gate, like Anna, Anna and Elsa or Bella or someone's like behind a gate and everyone's sort of gathered and they're chatting. And it's just this sort of new sort of creative interaction where you're just sort of engaging with the characters in an ongoing way with a group of people um, that I think is another sort of yeah. neat thing that came out of having to be creative with see, how they were doing this sort of thing. And that feels a lot like what they do at Disneyland, which the characters can be in places and do things that you'll never see out at Walt Disney World. For example, you can be checking into the Disneyland Hotel and Chip and Dale are there at the check-in desk just randomly. And I kind of had that same feeling with the way that they're doing characters now because they aren't just standing in one place. They're in um, in unusual places that you're that you're not used to. And I, I guess that kind of brings that spark of magic alive. I mean, you got Goofy teaching his boy Max how to fish over an Echo Lake. Makes me want to cry every time I see it. A little father-son cool. time. Makes it real, I guess. Real. It gives a little bit of realism. For me, the last <clears throat> sort of um, major or important thing I want to sort of touch on for the parks before I go through my 17 honorable mentions at the end of the segment um, <clears throat> boils down to Epcot and within Epcot, because this is how I sneak multiples into one within Epcot. I love the fact that we lost our taste meaning when the 2021 Epcot international food and wine festival opened on July 15th, by the way, this fall <laughs> festival that began in July, it was the first to lose that taste of modified designation when it opened. And I think it was significant. I think you could very much sense a difference and an expansion of that festival versus some of the taste of live entertainment, again, was back. Festival of the Holidays, I cannot emphasize enough my love of that festival and the tearful emotional joy that the candlelight processional brings to me each and every year space 220 i think is a huge addition to epcot mm -hmm. like it feels like epcot i don't know how else to describe it it's like driving a tesla it just feels like you're driving epcot space 220 feels <laughs> like epcot and i love the fact that they made the choice to make this restaurant slash experience, because what you are, and I understand there's a there's a significant price tag associated with it, you are paying for the experience as much as you are paying for the food, buffalo, cauliflower, how I love you so. Um, but I love the fact that they made the choice to make it something that was serene and calm and slow, and it is a lengthy dining experience instead of being something that was kitschy and campy and sort of you know whimsical and goofy there's an elegance and serenity to epcot to, to space 220 that i really really like uh, and i think it's part of the reason why i like that restaurant so much and last certainly not least uh my love for the spaceship earth beacon of magic knows mm -hmm. no bounds um who would have ever thought, you know, if we just put some little lights in all the little <laughs> sections where they intersect and come together and 
what a difference it is it because there's no sort of visible daytime changes to spaceship earth from a distance or up close but at night when that comes to light and comes to life that show continues right because it even sort of was enhanced for the holidays exceeded my expectations for what it could be to say that i love the epcot beacon of magic more than i love harmonious i you know is is not necessarily untrue like i could sit there and stare at it for a long period of time and it's simple and it's wonderful and it doesn't change like there's nothing that i don't love about it it is the perfect addition and i hope and believe it's certainly going to stay long beyond the 312 month 50th anniversary celebration yeah such a simple little change makes a huge difference that was one of the most unexpected heartwarming very cool i have to stay to see this um moments and i i'm with you i hope that stays and I'm with you on, on space 220 because I finally got a chance to eat there, enjoyed the experience, loved the elevator. It was so, it was so cool. I just, I wanted to stay there longer and I watching the, the happenings outside and the, the different characters and spaceships and things that you see along the way. Um, I, I really enjoyed that as well. And if you're going down the Epcot road, I do want to mention that um, I know Harmonious did get a little bit of a dig. We all loved our illuminations, but I really do enjoy that show. I love the, the marrying and the matchmaking of fire and water. I loved the technology behind it. The versatility is going to be amazing when they're able to put other aspects into the show. I will say I was disappointed that we didn't see any type of Christmas tag associated this year. Hopefully that will change, hint, hint. Um, but I personally, I enjoyed it. I just managed to give the actual show an ending. <laughs> <laughs> I think my least favorite part about Harmonious is they started at 9.45. I got to sleep, you know? <laughs> and it's tough too because they do a lot of the cool Spaceship <clears throat> Earth stuff in front yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. So you can have to schlep to the front, watch Spaceship <sighs> Earth, and then... So much back. walking. Like, First forced, world Disney distancing problems, there. Right? <laughs> yeah. You guys saw me start laughing. You guys saw me start laughing when Lou started talking because I, I have one other small mention that can't go unmentioned. But otherwise, I literally had just taken everything else that needed to be said on my list and put it under a list called Epcot. Um, so poor Ratatouille. We haven't really talked about I was about, about to say there was an attraction <laughs> that opened this year. The Ratatouille and the creperie, obviously. Um, Creations, the new shop we got. Club Cool reopened and looks great. My kids are very excited about that. The festivals are kind of back in full um, soul of jazz. And then along with everything else that you guys just mentioned, like when I said reemergence as my word, like for Epcot, that seems like the most it, it just it seems like it's sort of starting to hatch out of its little shell. Um, and we're getting a little glimpse of what's to come. Right. It's an appetizer for the big things that are coming. I think, you know, I think when it comes to Remy's, for us, I think we all probably think, oh, it's good. It's a good addition, you it's know? Cute. And I think it's that's another action where we have to remove ourselves and kind of think of the everyday guest because mm-hmm. we're accustomed to Rise of the Resistance. We're accustomed to flying on the back of the mighty Ikran. 
uh, a rite of passage, if you will. Um, doing those sorts of attractions, that's what we're used to. But, you know, I had plenty of people come who hadn't been to the parks in years, years and years and years. And they all went on Remy and they said that was fabulous. So we I think it's- You also have to keep in mind that different parks need different things. Some mm-hmm. parks need- That park rides. needed that Some for the really families. To entertain children when you're there as a family. World mm-hmm. Showcase um, needed that. Say what you will about the IP of Guardians coming into Epcot. Like that's going to be a huge crowd pleaser. Like a coaster in Epcot is going to be amazing. Um, so like- whether or not we're thrilled by Remy the way we were thrilled by Flight of Passage, maybe Epcot didn't need a Flight of Passage. Maybe it needed a family-friendly kid kid pleaser, and it's a great, but I, a great thing. I love the whole area back there. It's not just the the attraction, but yeah. it has its own flavor, and it has a great crepes place, and it has some really cool little shopping opportunities, and it is the perfect addition, especially when you have something for the kids and for the families that can uh, relate to that movie because it's it's still pretty relevant. All right, so let's. I think we should move from the parks to the screens. Let's start small and work our way up to big. I'm thinking of you, Disney Plus. That concludes part one of our 2021 Disney Year in Review. Please tune in next week as we discuss Disney on screen, from Disney Plus to theatrical film releases, as well as happenings in and around the Disney company as well as our predictions for 2022 and a quick lightning round of questions that I'd love to hear your answers to as well. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or just see how well you pay attention to the details in which you see, hear, remember, or even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is once again brought to you by you. Because as part of the WW Radio Nation, you literally help bring every episode of WW Radio to life. Every live broadcast from the parks, the contests, giveaways, they are all thanks to, by, for, and because of you. And you can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar a month and get cool, exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests, group video calls, access to our private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, magic band covers, monthly care packages, early access to special events, and much more. You can find out more and join the nation by going to www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So on the last show, we were very much in the holiday season and spirit, including watching some of my favorites on Disney+, Plus, including Muppet Christmas Carol. And that's why I wanted to ask you a Muppet-related question, which was to tell me who gives the pre-show safety spiel in Muppet Vision 3D. And thanks to all of you who entered and got this one correct, knowing, of course, that it is one Sam Eagle. And this week's winner is a tribute to all the correct answers, but mostly Philip Ogden. So, Philip, congratulations. Thank you for entering. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So we're going to stay in the parks this week and see how well you do pay attention to some of the obvious and maybe not so obvious details in some of the attractions. Because this week, 
All you need to do is tell me on what two Walt Disney World attractions can you find a man in a bathtub? You have until Sunday, January 9th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there, and once again this week, you're going to play for a WW Radio pin, keychain, and bonus mystery prize. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. This and every week, I hope that you had some fun, learned something new, and that the show brought a little bit of happiness and Disney magic to your day and week. I'd love to hear from you about this first part of our look back on 2021 and what you thought was the most important happening or milestone from the Disney parks. I'll post this question over in the WW Radio Clubhouse where I invite you to come be part of the community and conversation in our fun, welcoming, family-friendly community over at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Let me know and I'll play your answer on the air. I'd also love to connect and hear from you on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also email me, Lou, at www.radio.com with a question that I can answer on an upcoming episode. I want to give some huge thanks to all the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family. I am so incredibly grateful for your support and your friendship, and I love being able to give back to you and connect with you each and every month. I want to thank some new and longtime members like Andrew Prince, Kelly Woodard, Patrick King and family, Paula Parmentieri, and Ashley Bear. And if you want to join and become a member of the WW Radio Nation, help the show and our Dream Team project, which benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America, you can go to www.radio.com slash support. In addition to the podcast, please don't forget to join me this and every Wednesday night for WW Radio Live. It's my live video broadcast on Facebook from the parks as we talk and walk and ride, or from home where I do my top five live, our Disney Plus Pick of the Week contests, interviews, live Q&A, and much more. You can watch and chat every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. Also, come join our spoiler support group at www.radio.com slash spoilers to talk all things spoiler-filled in the Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars universe. And of course, as much as I love connecting with you online, there is nothing like getting together in person. And that's why our next meet of the month is going to be this coming weekend over the Run Disney Marathon Weekend, Saturday at Disney Springs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. You can go to www.radio.com slash events for more information and to RSVP. Plus, find out about other upcoming events, including our multiple cruises in 2022 and 2023, including our Marvel Day at Sea Cruise, our inaugural cruise on The Wish, our Very Merry Time Cruise on The Wish, and our April 2023 eight-night Bermuda and Bahamian cruise on the Disney Fantasy. I cannot wait to get back to cruising and, more importantly, cruising with you. If you go to www.radio.com slash cruise, you can actually go and get a free new obligation quote from our partners over at Mouse Fan Travel for any other Disney destination that you plan on visiting. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. It is so important and so very much appreciated. How? By telling a friend, sharing a link to this or your favorite episode on your social channels. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over at Apple Podcasts. Even if it's not sort of where you listen to the show, it's incredibly helpful. Takes just a couple of seconds. 
I want to thank some recent reviewers like Tim Boss 351 who says, if you don't listen to Lou, then are you really a true Blue Disney fan? Lou's podcasts are the end-all of Disney podcasts, information, entertainment, and so many great interviews with so many of the greats associated with Disney over the years, including some amazing Imagineers. Take your fandom to two levels up and listen to WDW Radio. Good luck catching up. Uh, Tim Boss, thank you very much again. Just search for WDW Radio and Apple Podcasts. And finally, most importantly, once again, especially as we begin this new year full of incredible opportunity and possibility, thank you, thank you, thank you for the gift of your time and your attention and your friendship and support. I know how limited and valuable your time is, and I sincerely appreciate you sharing and spending it with me. And I hope that you are inspired, even just a little bit, to choose the good and find the good, because if you spread positivity that positivity will spread to others. Happy New Year, and I promise to do the very best that I can to make 2022 and beyond our best years ever as a WW Radio family and community. I love and appreciate you. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, Giannis Mallory from Bakersfield, California. And on behalf of me and my family, we're just calling to wish everybody in the WDW Radio family, the box people and Everybody listening, new listeners and people who've been here for a while, just wishing you guys a happy Christmas and a merry and a merry new year. Or that or Merry Christmas and a happy new year. I get mixed up. But anyways, we just want to say uh thank you for everything that everybody's been doing, getting us through this crazy time. And hopefully it gets to a semblance of normalcy soon. And uh you guys enjoy your families and enjoy the time we all have together. Thank you. Bye bye. Hey Lou, it's Christine Morrison from Flower Town, Pennsylvania. I have not called in in a little while, so here I am. Uh, gosh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, momentum, let's start there. I went to my first momentum, and it was absolutely amazing and more than I ever thought it was going to be, and I got so much out of it, and I made so many good friends and contacts I highly recommend it. Even if you don't even know what you want to do with your life, it is a really good way to find out. Even if you don't find out, you're going to make relationships that you're going to use for the rest of your life. And um, I loved every minute. I'll be back next year. I'm going to bring my brother. Uh, my brother just started a new job with um, Academy Travel, I believe, as a Disney travel agent. So I told him that he is coming so that he can build his business, learn how to do that, whatever he wants to do. So anyway, that's that about momentum. If uh, you're not sure, you're on the fence, do it. All I can tell you is now there's only 49 spots left permanently because I'll be there every year. Lou's going to be so sick of me. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, Christmas is coming. Uh, the WDW radio cruise to, where are we going? Grand Cayman and the Bahamas is our Marvel Day at Sea, and I will be on that cruise. So excited. I just picked my excursions for that. Uh, it's going to be me and Zachary, my oldest son. Really looking forward to continuing to meet everybody and uh, hang out. It's going to be awesome. What else? What else? What else? I guess that's it for now. Oh, I know. You wanted um, 
I'm a one podcast behind. So the last one you just did with Tim Foster talking about boat rides and they're like, hey, everybody, give me ideas for shows. And so I'm throwing one at you. A top 10, and I think I did say this once before, top 10 Disney dogs. Uh, there's a lot of them. I'd be happy to help you with that one where you can do Disney animals, period. We've got cats up there, too. So <laughs> just saying. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. It's a gorgeous day here in Pennsylvania. It turned out to be blue skies and in the 40s, which might sound cold to some people, but for up here this time of year, it's kind of warm out. Have a wonderful weekend. Make somebody smile and get all your Christmas shopping done. You've only got two weeks left. Sorry, it's Christine again. I got cut off because um, I talked too much. Anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. I just wanted to say goodbye and uh, hope everybody's doing well. And have a great weekend and make somebody smile. Take care, and I'll see you all on Wednesday night. Bye. Hi, everybody. It's Elizabeth from Massachusetts. Just finished listening to the most recent episode about the festival, the holidays. And um, I love those episodes because um, it really makes me always feel like immersed in that I'm right there with you guys, which um, always makes me jealous in the best ways possible but also transports me, which is magical. Um, I'm so sad because usually my family, we kind of like started a tradition later on in life-ish before the pandemic um, where we would go to Disney for Christmas because we celebrate Christmas. Um, and we would go like every other year. And then a lot of times I would head down for New Year's Eve on the opposite years um, just with friends or something. And I don't know, this year we just weren't sure about pandemic and travel and all that good stuff. So it kind of just made more sense to be home. But now I'm kind of regretting that (laughs) after hearing you guys uh, mosey around World Showcase because it is actually, I think, maybe my – it's funny. It took me a while to finally say this, but my favorite festival um, after Food and Wine. So, yeah, it just – it was great to hear it and be able to be transported there, especially in a year when I'm not going to be able to travel. So, I appreciate it a ton. I hope everyone, if I don't call in again before, has a fabulous holiday. Um, Stay safe and stay healthy. And, um, yeah, it's just magical in some way, whether it's big or small or minuscule, but that you get to relax and enjoy the people around you. So stay merry, stay magical, and I'll talk to you all real soon. Bye.